I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 357 of Video Games Hot Dog. It's a new year, guys. I can't believe we've been doing this podcast for 2019 years. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I still remember the night our savior was born and we thought, let's do a video game podcast. Oh. They were real short for the first two thousand years. years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because they were just, they were basically us standing out in a field and shouting. You can only do that for so long. That's That's how pods were cast before mm -hmm. uh phones existed yep. mm -hmm. before phones yeah hear ye hear ye thanks yeah, exactly. for listening to my podcast town potters you could, yeah you could clang a bell but that's about it that do, was the equivalent of an arnold schwarzenegger soundboard do you guys think they named the ipod after the act of shouting in a field yeah huh hmm. sure why not it is weird that podcast is a word that's still based on iPod and no one ever says or uses an iPod anymore. It never even occurred to me that that's where it came from. I guess I, I, I did not bother to question the name. I was very against it for a really long time. It was just a show. Would you like I to, insisted. would you prefer to call this an inter internet radio show? Yeah. Because it gets, it, gets down. it goes out on our Shoutcast stream. Uh-huh. Well, I'm, I'm not down for that. I but mean, Shoutcast it, is also trademarked. If we called it the Video Games Hot Dog Internet Radio Show, yeah. I think that would be pretty cool. Say like IR, we'd call it the the IRS. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then we could get audited by the IRS. We, we no, by we, we would do the auditing. Yeah, we would audit. Uh, we would audit people's games collections. Uh -huh. This game sucks. This game rules. This game sucks. This, this game costs three hundred dollars. I, yeah. I reached uh, <laughs> Steel Battalion. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, gentlemen, what have you been up to? The question that is asked every week and none of us ever has a good answer. No, that's uh, not true. Jim always brings something. That's true. It's because I pre prep in advance. Yeah. And it's because so, Jim has taken this podcast seriously. Uh, <laughs> as, your, as your son. I'm sorry, this internet radio show. Seriously. Fuck. Oh, I don't know anything this, this really week. What are, you, what are you taking me for? <laughs> uh, I went and saw Roma. Uh, this week at the, the, the film tomato? place. It is a movie about a sort tomato? of Mexico City in the early 1970s. Hmm. Um, How so are the tomatoes in Mexico City in the early 1970s? Black and white. That's weird. Are you sure they were tomatoes and not zebras? Or no. newspapers? What's black and white and red all over? A newspaper with a tomato on it. <laughs> okay. How was it? It was good. Uh, it was, it's, it's very much sort of of the, like, this is a slice of life. Like this is a, a year in the life of a single character who lives in a particular situation. Are there crimes? There's some crimes. Are there ghosts? There were no ghosts. Okay. Well, not, I mean, there were no ghosts that you could see. Okay. So there was many ghosts. <laughs> the as there only are in two any plots movie. Yeah. for movies are, are there crimes? Are there ghosts? <laughs> Right. So if you don't have either of those, then <laughs> it's, it's hardly a bad even movie. a movie at all. Ghostbusters has both. Uh huh. Are there crimes in Ghostbusters? Yeah, the EPA comes in and shuts down. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. I guess the, the entire enterprise is a crime from a certain point of view. Did right. Ghostbusters invent the ghost crime movie? Ooh. Hmm. I mean, there so, were movies before Ghostbusters, so. Ghost Dad one would had a ghost. 
And being a father. But Bill Cosby's never committed a crime. <laughs> That's an excellent point, Zach. Jesus. Uh, let's see. What's a movie with crime but no ghosts? I guess like Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Well, but a lot of people die in Pulp Fiction. So they're ostensibly they're all haunted as AF. Oh, that's true. Is there a ghost in the as, Godfather? As as fuck. Yeah, it's it's an ATM machine. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, any so now Kevin's assertion is any any movie that anyone gets killed in has ghosts. Right. Okay. I think that's a fair assertion. I suppose, because their name is appears in the credits. Is Wait, there what? a similar so that counts? What? You see them after their death. <laughs> Wow. They're depicted. Okay. And sometimes sometimes a movie will start by being dedicated to a ghost. Fair That's enough. True. Is there a similar Sense. rule about crime? Is any is any movie with money in it crime? Oh yeah, because capitalism is theft. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't pirate capitalism. <laughs> I saw three movies i saw a serious man uh what is a serious man about? it's the coen brothers movie about um arnold rothschild from was that his name i don't remember if that was his yeah name. it's arnold, something rothstein arnold the brain rothstein Ar- yeah yeah arnold rothstein yeah. yeah uh uh where he's uh like has a jewish family and a bunch of shit goes wrong and okay and then it ends really abruptly it's kind of, you know, it's one of their, like, weird, dark comedies, I okay. guess. It was pretty good. Does it, does it get into, like, all the White Sox stuff, or is it just... No, it's not actually about him. It's oh, it's okay. the actor who played him in uh, <laughs> in uh, Boardwalk Empire, oh. just playing a just playing a guy oh. in, like... Well, that's wow. thoroughly different. <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> yep. Wow, okay. Um, is it new, or is it old? Mm, both i don't know is it borrowed, borrowed or blue fuck. yeah no yeah that's good. Um, is, is that the movie with the story about the dentist who finds yeah a message written yep. in okay yeah because it's the also, only thing i remember no that continue movie. that sentence finds a message written in what no in it's somebody's it's, teeth it's deliberately what? it's like a d- very anticlimactic thing well it's it's like deliberately a microcosm so. of the movie if i remember yeah like that's like that, that the story told in the movie is short and disappointing, intriguing and then disappointing, like the movie itself. Yep. I also watched <coughs> Bird Box uh, just because I had seen so much discussion about it, how terrible it was. I thought, well, guess I'll watch that uh, because it's probably not that bad, and it was fine. Yeah. It um, it got kind of stupid. I thought there it was at the okay. Very end, but I, yeah. I read the synopsis of it and thought, like, like it sounds like the script someone would write upon thinking, you know, movie monsters are scariest when you don't get to see them. What's an easy excuse for not showing you the monster? <laughs> and right. then they just ran with that. Yeah, the real monster is other people. That's a new idea that this movie had that's yeah. new. As a parent of a four-month-old... It gave me a new perspective on this sort of movie, which in this case was, how the hell did she get clothes for all those kids? For those two kids, I should say. There weren't all those kids. Uh, well, well, if the sound of music has taught me anything, it's from the drapes. But they weren't wearing, okay. <laughs> they were wearing like 
tailored, you know, <laughs> to their bodies, uh, fashionable clothes. Really good at drapes. Okay, sure. I, I, I they might, they must have cut out that scene where and you don't like see them growing up, right? Maybe they were wearing drapes, and it was finally like, okay, it's time. The cameras are going to be on us for a while now. It's time we go down to the tailor shop where yeah. a tailor is holed yeah. up. It, it could be that like they just in that house they had some clothes for kids who were the exact ages of the scenes that were going to be in the movie, and the rest of the time they were naked. Yeah, I guess that would be a that would be a convenient way, like from a filming point of view, right? You film the first part of the movie in a building that already contains all of the costumes and props for the rest of the movie, right? <laughs> and then then you don't have to go anywhere else. So I've not seen this. All I've seen are it involves like, dressing children. Promotional materials where there people have blindfolds. Is this basically a quiet place, but with yeah, it's like blindfolds? a dark place. Okay, <laughs> but not Garth Marenghi's dark place. Uh, just <laughs> right. they did not go to Harvard College Yale. It's a lot like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot like someone who did not go to Harvard College Yale. Okay, um, and then I watched last night at the Alamo Draft House. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Did you see the whole thing? I did, except for one part of it that where the film melted. <laughs> How long of a delay was there between... When they got it started again? Yeah. They fixed it very, very quickly. Hmm. Like, they were, they noticed right away, and it was it was back up, I would say, within a minute. They, oh, had, wow. they had spliced it together. That was very... I mean, it doesn't take long if you have the tools ready. Sure. Um, but... But that scene is now just gone from that... Yeah, exactly. real of the film. Yep, I, I'm betting this is not the first time that this has happened. It was a, it was an old, pretty bad print, and a, also just a fucking terrible movie. Really, it was unbelievable how bad it was. Huh. I had seen it as a kid, and I, I remember thinking like this was not anywhere near as good as the first Nightmare on Elm Street, which actually I think kind of holds up as like an artsy horror movie. Yeah, or. The, like Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which I think holds up as sort of a schlocky, like, ragtag group of people united against evil horror movie with some actual good special effects and stuff. Uh, and 2 is somewhere nowhere in the very, middle. Very, very cheap. It completely, like, it is not, th this is going to be a really dumb objection, uh, it doesn't fit in with like what Freddy Krueger is and was like he does not kill people in their dreams in this movie like okay he just sort of possesses this guy and makes this guy kill some people for him sort of I think he Weird. kills one or two people uh, does the guy he possesses kill people in their dreams no no does he invade okay. people's dreams well the main character has dreams about him. Okay. Um, but it's like he, like Freddie, is trying to like get back into the world through this guy. It's also they they pointed this out. Like, uh, you know, I guess I didn't notice this when I was a kid. But the movie is like extremely, extremely gay. Like it hmm. is. There are a lot of lines that couldn't possibly have been like accidentally just very like homoerotically undertoned and overtoned and it spends like a lot of time in locker rooms and a lot of shots of like sweaty like shapely dudes in tidy whities and like there's a long sequence where freddie repeatedly like 
whips a dude's naked ass with a towel in so, a locker room. It's, I, I, I get what you're saying, but also you could say all those things about glam rock. Yeah. That they spend a lot of time in locker rooms. and That's true. <laughs> they, <laughs> yep. And to be fair, all those guys were actually gay, so maybe you're right. Yeah. It's just, it, you know, it's a weird, it, it's a weird thing to do with a sequel to like a very specific I mean I guess they didn't know at the time that it was going to become this whole series right, right. I don't know if Nightmare on Elm Street was popular when it came out I mean I assume it was I assume it was successful it was going to not have Robert England in it as Freddy they were going to have somebody else play Freddy because Robert England asked for too much money but then they just didn't like the new guy that they got so they were like fine we'll pay Robert England and then he's barely in it he only does one cool thing where he says something about his brains. He's like, you, you'll you be the brawn and I'll be the brains. And then he peels the top of his head off and sh- reveals his own pulsating brain. That's like a classic Freddy Krueger move, I guess. <laughs> did he did he like use his clawed hand? to? No, he just did it with his other hand. <laughs> it was. Did he it just, was okay. I, I feel like. Like, did he just lift the hat off revealing his brain or did he actually. He lifted the hat off. The- there was skin, but no skull. Um, huh. It's it's also just like the lighting is really terrible. Like you can almost never like really make out the details of a scene. And it's not like it's moody. It's just like they used a bad camera or like just hmm. didn't know how to light shots. It was, it was just very surprising to me how just inexpertly made the the movie was as what a movie. was the do you, i mean i don't know if you looked this up or not do, what was the sort of creative team continuity between the two projects i don't know i don't remember how much time passed i like i had only seen the second one once when i was a kid and i think it was edited for tv so well there was not any nudity <laughs> the irony would be except if it was dude's e- ass edited for tv to just make it better. <laughs> they rearranged some scenes. Yeah. They like added some, some dialogue. Dubbing in new dialogue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Riff? Have you been up to anything or seen any movies? Um, I started building a model. I haven't finished it yet, so it's not as good a story as it would be. Well, what's the model? It's the... Um, the spaceship that uh, uh, Spike flies in Cowboy Bebop, the sort of oh. red mosquito-looking thing. So uh, is this like, is that count as a Gundam? It is made by the same company that does. It's made by Bandai, who who does all the Gundams. So I, I knew there was a Gundam connection, guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bandai makes all the good kits. Like they've been they've been working on their Gundam kit technology for years. And so if if you want to build a good plastic model that's like satisfying to build and goes together really well, then that's pretty much what you're doing. And in fact, like this is the last one I've been able to find of that they like kits that they made that is not a Gundam. So I'm Mm. pretty much stuck doing giant robots from here on out if I want to do some more of these kits. Do you have a strict no Gundam policy in your house? Not particularly. I just I just don't care about them. I I've never really seen the anime, and I don't have any particular interest in giant robots. You're not a Gundam rights activist. So right. Riff, yeah, you're so Riff. Design is a compromise. So 
Would you say that people who design, let's say specifically, I'm asking you about these people. Did the people who designed this model you're putting together, do you think they made any design uh, decisions that favored the pleasure of putting the model together over the final appearance? Um, you know, I don't think so. Uh, it's, it looks extremely accurately, ac ac it looks extremely accurately, uh, <laughs> it looks extremely accurate, and also it is extremely accurate, um, like, uh, uh, I want to say art articulation wise, like movement wise, like every part of that ship that moves in the, in the series also moves on this model. So like the wings fold the way they do, the turret extends the way it does, the cockpit opens, the landing gear extends all of it. Yeah. And, but you would uh, say like it it's specifically, it is specifically designed in such a way that it is a pleasure to put together. Yeah. Well, Would I you mean, say assuming you like putting together a plastic model, I don't. I, sure, I'm, but like, I'm sure there is more some, so than there some is some you've tolerance done, point that, well, like compared to say, putting together a model ship, like like if you wanna if you want to build the uh, the HMS Bounty or something, mm -hmm. um, those those models tend to, uh, uh, well, well, first of all, the the Bandai kits. Are all mold, all the parts are molded in the correct color of plastic, so you don't have to do any painting if you don't want to. And they're all snapped together, so you don't have to do any gluing if you don't want to. But on the other hand, if you are willing to do a little painting or a little gluing, then that makes that model that much better. Right. So, so you get to decide what your skill level slash tolerance level is and, and build to that capacity. Uh, whereas, like a traditional model ship, it's going to be molded all in gray plastic, so it's going to look like crap if you don't paint it. And it's it's not uh, it's glue together instead of snap together, so you have to be able to glue accurately and well, and do all the sanding and so on. Uh, so it's just it's it's uh, much more of a hassle to put together something like that than than it would be to put together a uh, Gundam. Yeah, that makes sense. The Gundams aren't glued because there's a lot of like transformative aspects to them, right? Um, some of them are transformative, but uh, uh, I don't know that that's the reason why. Does it have dino damage? Dino damage. Uh, this may be a term of art that nobody but me uses. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, di I'm just thinking of like seeing a commercial for like a, a dinosaur uh, action figure that like where a bit, bit of the plastic would like come out and reveal like a huge gash that another dinosaur has. Oh, okay. It's sort of like battle damage, but more specific. <laughs> but yes, to a dinosaur. <laughs> I mean, you, I could, some... you could paint it, you could modify it and paint it for that. By choice. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want to so say you're, you're saying you could deliberately Gundam. damage your Gundam and pretend that a dinosaur had done it. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean the world's your oyster really when you like you're the one who owns this model. <laughs> I had these matchbox cars when I was a kid that had like they were crashable. They had yeah. panels yeah. on them that were on a spring. Yep. And you'd rotate huh. them and they would latch, but then when they were hit again it would it would trip the latch and they would spin around and 
replace like the door with like a crashed in door and they yeah, were fucking were great. great yeah this is like the the like analog version of burnout paradise yeah uh, and i remember there was like a he-man that you could hit oh, his yeah. chest plate and it would Guts go, go to it no <laughs> Oh, that would have oh, been pretty man. good. <laughs> Evisceration action He-Man. <laughs> what, what would happen when you hit his chest? Uh, it would just, there was a rotating drum in it that would snap to the next position, which had a dent. Oh, and then maybe okay. you could do a, another one. Oh, he was like armored. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he had like a... Bro- I think of He-Man as being like all naked. Having like a harness. Yeah, he, 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 I think the normal <laughs> He-Man just has a harness, but this one was wearing a breastplate. I see. Um, I don't think I ever had one of those battle damage He-Mans, though. Just those cars. That's like the the most granular hit point indicator for your minifix, right? Is where it's like got one damage state. It's like, I, well, I've got two hit points. Yeah, like Mario. Sure. Oh, that's true. Mario has two hit points, doesn't he? In, in the uh, 2D games, he does, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess any action figure, if you damage it by removing pieces of it, it indicates that damage by getting smaller. <laughs> <laughs> or you could play Hangman. That seems like an excellent segue to uh, to asking what, what you've been playing, Jim. Oh, okay. Just Hangman? Because well, um, there was a new Mario game that was released. I don't know if you have purchased it or played it. I did not know about what? this. I, What's the new? Super Mario Brothers U... Oh, deluxe. Deluxe. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, I have I played that on the Wii U um and I played it so this was I don't know 2014. Okay. Um so my memories of it are and my memories of it are actually very colored by the fact that I had just played another new Super Mario Brothers game on the DS. Okay. New Super Mario Brothers 2 came out like 3 months before New Super Mario Brothers U. Okay. And so like I bought it cuz like I buy and play every Mario game and then I'm like this I'm really sick of this cuz I just played it a few months ago. Um and so I didn't really care for it. I, I bet now that it's been 4 years I would be much more interested. Was there so a should... Luigi version? Yeah, there was yeah. uh Interesting. So this is just like a Super just Luigi a U. It, they were playing it up as like a it, new it, game. So it has some it, new it's features. remixed. It's remi- remixed levels. So hmm. it's speed run oriented. Oh. Um, and all the levels are remixed to be much like to be, I think, a little bit harder and much shorter. Oh, jeez. Okay. And, so well, it also includes two new characters. One of which is easy mode, and one of which is baby mode. Is, so is the, the way that between... Tim Tim Rogers puts it. His review of it is really excellent, by the way. Is one of them. What's the that? difference between baby mode and easy mode? The the um, the yeah the Toadette character that can w- acquire the crown that makes her into uh, uh, Princess Peach is easier because she can do the the uh, Princess Peach hover that the other characters cannot do, and also she has like she gets a free recovery opportunity if you fall into a pit. Um, and then the other character, which is like a, a rabbit thief character that I'm not very familiar with, is apparently like just not able to be injured by enemies. <laughs> okay. So. Sure. If you have to pick a a particular ability in video games, that would be a pretty good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in Mario, uh, it might be trumped by not being able to fall into a pit. Yeah. That's true. 
But um, yeah, well, it depends on whether you consider a pit to be an enemy. Yeah. Uh, huh. Also, and if you, you consider would only be able death to... to be an injury, <laughs> <laughs> you would only be able to get surgery if your doctor was not your enemy, which is good. Okay. Also, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you don't want that, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. In, if you want to tell if somebody's your enemy, you ask them to like make a small incision. Yep. <laughs> you can't really lose there, right? Because if they are your enemy, then they can't hurt you at all. And right. if they aren't your enemy, then they're going to be your friend and not want to hurt you. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, that's, that seems. That or seems else perfect. you'll you'll start a cool fight club together. <laughs> so I've not been playing that game. Okay. Um. If I had the ability to not be injured by my enemies, I would be constantly playing tricks on people like, hey, check it out. When this guy punches you, it doesn't hurt at all. And just have the guy punch me in the face a bunch of times and then like say, come on, give me 20 bucks and, and I'll let you do it. But then they would get punched and it would really hurt. Cause they and then they wouldn't want to give me the $20. Would, yeah. I maybe need to rethink the monetization <laughs> scheme of this. Have you considered microtransactions? <laughs> You give me half the money before my friend punches you and then leave <laughs> when it goes wrong for you. Or you could just give me a dollar for every time that this guy is going to punch me, knowing that the guy isn't going to be able to hurt you. Gosh, Superman, you're a mean drunk. Yeah. I'll bet you $30 that you can punch me a hundred times and I won't go unconscious. But first, I need to let you know that I killed your wife. Because you have to make sure they're your enemy before oh. <laughs> the oh, bet right. takes I mean, place. The expedient way to do this would be to just go around kicking everyone you meet in the junk, right? I've got a lot of enemies in this town. Mostly because I went around kicking everyone in the junk. So, if your enemy kicked you in the junk, would your pants also have to be your enemy... For it to not hurt. Wait, are you arguing that when somebody kicks you in the nuts, it's your pants that are causing the injury? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I feel like I definitely wouldn't want to wear one of those like metal helmets that covers your whole head and then have it be bashed in because that's just not helping your situation at all. Wait, isn't it? Well, theoretically, it provided a bit of protection against whatever bashed the helmet in, but and then once like, spreads out the blow, does it? I don't know. Let's try it. We'll bash you in the head with a hammer once without a helmet. No, don't do that. And then again with a helmet. N no. Okay. Well, we could become enemies first. Okay. All right. That sounds fine. I don't want to be your enemy. Okay. Let's that, just skip the whole thing. Also, sounds fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jim. You were saying. Um, I played Nurikabe. Which oh. is a game that came up on the Slack. Um, this is a Japanese logic puzzle. puzzle. Logic puzzle. Yeah, I talk about that all the time. Do you? Yeah. It's not just a single instance of a game. It's not like you you played one board and you're no, like, it's, "Well, I've now beaten Arakabe." No, it's it's like a it's like a Sudoku minesweeper type deal. Yeah. Yep. Um, Riff, did you say you talk about it all the time? Sure, I've. You've probably mentioned it on this podcast at least three times. I bet you have, and I just blanked out. I thought you were talking about anime or something, probably. <laughs> uh, is it racist when you assume that everything that sounds Japanese oh, is yes, anime? Definitely. Yeah. But it's okay. Like people who play video games, 
have a great love for Japanese culture, and so they can't really be racist against the Japanese. <laughs> sure. Right. Um, <laughs> Nurikabe sounds like some sort of like neuromancer Kimosabe mashup. Huh. It's like it's a it's your friend the neuromancer. Huh. So it's like an AI with a Native American sidekick. Sure. Okay. Yeah, the Great Ghost Dance. So are there, are, I I just searched the Play Store for Nurikabe, and there's okay. like four things named that. And I downloaded them all, and one of them was tolerable. Do they not reserve namespace on the game store? Well, they were. One of them was called Nurikabe Free. I see. And one of them was called. I, th I think I'm not actually sure if there can be two things with the same name, um, but these things felt like, like when I after I downloaded these things, and played them, like most of them were like, yeah, I don't think nobody would give a shit if these all had the same name. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we should get them like Nurikabe of Loathing train. Sure, yeah. Then, then everybody would want them. Nurikabe mm -hmm. doesn't seem any fun. Do you enjoy Sudoku? No, no. But um, this is like a visu about visual and spatial reasoning. It's it's more. It is really more like Minesweeper than I. I, I feel like Sudoku is too abstract for me to be interesting. Um, then more. It's it's. In the same way that, like, I feel like chess is, where the moves are just feel arbitrary. Hmm. Uh, whereas Nurikabe, like, so the way this game works is you're presented with a grid, and some of the grids uh, have a number on, some of the grid spaces have a number on them. Uh, and those numbers indicate how many uh, connected spaces, connected cells are in that island. And an island is like a, a light colored patch um and the 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 islands have to be separated from other islands by at least one space and the spaces between the islands can't have to be all connected and can't form a grid of can't form a two by two square i think that covers it um this was very confusing at first because like the first version of the game i tried didn't actually tell you what rule you were violating it just waited until you got the right hmm. answer which was weird um but i've been i mean i've been enjoying it but also like i feel like i'm doing a lot of guessing like a lot of what um when i when i really get into the zone in like alcazar or uh i can't remember another puzzle game but I think there's another one that fits as well. Tetris. Tetris. Not Tetris. Uh, Professor Layton and the Curious Picross. Village. Picross. In Alcazar or Picross, I feel like I can solve a lot or most of the puzzle just by reasoning. Um, and you can do that. A lot of the time you can do some of that with Nurikabe, but a lot of the rest of the time you have to just like... Mm. Uh, just try something out. If it's designed well, you you should be able to get it all through reasoning. Right. Um, it may be that, like... It also it may, may be, be that, that I'm just not like, yeah, good like at reasoning, reasoning enough. There, it might be that there are reasoning tricks that you haven't picked up on yet. Right. Uh, do, you, do you have, like, a, a canonical set of Nurikabe puzzles that you like? Um... Or in... <laughs> um the the um, Japanese puzzle company Nikolai is real trustworthy. 
Okay. But I don't know if they have an app on Android or not. They might. Yeah, probably not, but I'll check. Uh, and I played uh, some more Yakuza 0. Um, it's still like half serious business crime drama and half crazy bullshit. Serious business ghost drama. <laughs> <laughs> the two food groups. <laughs> there was uh, right the two genders crime and ghost <laughs> uh there was a... if you if you were if you were at a bar and you had to go to the bathroom and you <laughs> went back there and the two bathrooms were labeled crime and ghosts which one would you go into uh definitely ghosts i think they'd be less scary <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't believe in ghosts so I would have to go into crime <laughs> because you think as soon as you went into the ghost's door, you would cease to exist. The, the bathroom just doesn't, it's, it's a fake bathroom. Like you try to open that door, there's just a wall behind it. Oh, oh, okay. I thought maybe the implication was that anything that, so like if you go into a men's bathroom, you go in there and there's men, there's at least one man in it, right? Yeah. Always. Uh, Every time I've been in a men's bathroom. Yeah, exactly. So you're afraid that if you go into a bathroom where the door is labeled something that doesn't exist, you will cease to exist. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I, because you don't know. You've never gone into a women's bathroom. Maybe you turn into a woman when you do that, right? Yeah, like, that would be weird. We don't know what kind of powers the door of a bathroom has. <laughs> That's why it's important that this piece of legislation that I'm championing gets through. <laughs> <laughs> Yakuza Zero. Uh, um yeah i was gonna uh i i got to a scene in that game where so the they make a big deal at first about how about guns being like a big thing like guns being like a, an extremely bad uh thing to have or to use even like the game is a knife fight even in the con in even in the context of like being in this gang uh, even being an organized crime, like a gun is a big deal, which I think is interesting. Like, and I think that's, uh, well, cause they're like straight up illegal in Japan. Aren't they? Right. Yeah. And, and I think culturally that means that they're a much bigger deal than like yeah. someone who has a gun in the United States. Like, al although these are crime guys and are, are, are not going to be like, you know, inherently turned off to something just cause it's illegal. It does mean that as soon as you shoot a gun, all the cops are on you. Right. Yeah, it is a, a very like melee focused combat system in this game. Um but guns do show up in the story. Um and by the way, like even though even though uh guns are a big deal, like the game throws out like torture scenes left and right, like the like candy, hmm. so like that's fine. Um Is it fine? <laughs> it's may maybe not that fine. It just seems to be so heavily overused as a trope. I, it it is extremely like an extremely melodramatic game. Okay, like in in good and bad ways, I think. Um, but there is a like I I've actually like I think my character actually I think I, I have a gun in my inventory and I've just never used it because like when there when guns enter the combat they're just kind of a shitty melee weapon like in like kind of like in bloodborne actually like they did because people in japan have never fired a gun maybe hmm. they don't know what guns do in video games um but what i was going to talk about was there is a scene i don't know i think i'm like two-thirds of the way through the main storyline where you um are like shooting at 
there's a car chase where you are shooting a gun at the cars that are chasing you. And this, this scene, like the, the interface for this was clearly like designed by somebody who has never played any other game with guns in it. Like it's definitely a thing that people in Japan don't like first person shooters. Hmm. Um, and so this particular, like it's, it's, it's a little bit more like, um, light gun adapted to the game pad. Um, weird. And it was very strange. Like you, you, you aim with the left stick. I can't remember whether it was in, it's, it's inverted or not, but, uh, it kind of doesn't matter cause it's just so weird either way. And you shoot with square and you like du- both duck and reload with X. Hmm. Uh, and it felt like a very, like, I, I actually kind of dig it in terms of, I, I want to see more mini games, maybe not full length games, but mini games designed by people who have never seen another game that does something like that before. Okay. Mm. Like just like, because it, it, it's, it's like a reinvention of that sort of game from whole cloth. So what you want to do is you want to find like an, an alternate universe where video games haven't been invented and then find people. I, I do want to do that very much <laughs> and say, what if, what if you made software that was fun yeah. and then see what they made? Yeah. Or, Educate someone in like computer programming and teach them how to make like, I don't know, I don't know, like a walking sim, something that's like not a game (laughs) and then be like, all right, what if you put a knife in this? What would that look like? And see what they do. I, yeah, I want to turn these, these ignoramuses loose. What do you think is going to happen when a generation of kids grows up only playing gone home over and over again? Like in like the four minute speed run mm-hmm. community. I think we're going to have some people who are incredibly fast at running around mansions. <laughs> Do you think that the skills translate to the real world in the same way? I would love to see a study on whether uh, speed runners, people who are good at speed running are also fast in real life. Okay. Very efficient movements. Yeah, is if somebody yeah, like do they get their shopping done faster? Yeah, right. right. Can they make a a sandwich really fast, grabbing all the ingredients out of the fridge in one go? Yeah, yeah. If anybody listening to this is like choosing what their PhD thesis is, (laughs) or or realizing that if you push if you push all the ingredients through the back of the refrigerator, it spawns in on the other side (laughs) of the room on the counter, (laughs) right? So you can you can do that really fast. That's a good trick. I should try that next time. Is your refrigerator directly across from your counter? Yes. Nice. Yeah. It only works in the Japanese version of your house. Oh, so. shit. Speaking of which, did you watch any Uh No, I'm um, I'm probably going to. Yeah, like I, I, I get. I know people who say they only watch speedruns during AGDQ. And I get it, like I get being like part of the part of the zeitgeist and like want like part of this community of people doing this one thing together. Um, like watching I Love Lucy. 
Right. Like back the things we don't have anymore now that there are more than three TV networks. Or like when people used to speed run the last episode of MASH. Right. <laughs> uh, but I just don't have the time to do it anymore. Like mm-hmm. I don't have the the free time to to uh to spend like watching something that's on a schedule basically. Mm-hmm. Um We've had it on the TV. We had it on the TV at the office several days. Like yeah, Nick was, week. Nick was pretty into just having it on, and yeah. like so, we watched some of it when it was on. It was kind of neat, yeah, like yeah. just being in a group of people who were sort of like interested in watching a game. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I watched some some Donkey Kong race. That Donkey Kong, like I've only ever heard Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze mentioned as a punchline, but watching that speed run really makes me want to play it. It's fucking incredible looking yeah yeah i'm no, guessing it's not that great to play but it looks incredible it. the levels like, I, I got that game for april because she loves the donkey kong country games and it's fine you know it's a decent platformer the levels just look really charming and like yeah. the the way that it like it's such a cool case of two and a half d yeah yeah hmm. i forget what else we watch we watched some celeste mm-hmm. the um uh uh Castlevania three. Yeah, that was good. And the um oh what's it called? That it was in the awful games block. Um Urban Yeti. No, it was uh, uh West of Loathing. Oh uh maybe I'll think of it later. But the other one I was gonna mention was uh um Silent Hill two was a really good run because he was running the the PC port of it, which has a lot of really weird bugs. So his explanations for why the things he was doing weren't was pretty interesting. Cuphead. Oh, yeah. That was really... Oh, the... Virtual Hydlide was the one I was trying to think <laughs> I of. I saw people talking about that, yeah. Yeah, that super weird game. What What platform was that for? Sega CD, maybe? Okay. Something like that. Something it was weird. just like a tile-based first-person port of Hydlide. Yeah, is that true? Yeah, yeah. With like, well, it's yeah, it's well, it's third-person, and the your character is it's like it's like really bad FMV. Like they actually dressed oh, a wow. dude up in cardboard armor and took oh, pictures like of him. Yeah, uh, it's ooh. There's that a bit. Incredible. There's a bit where the. That's uh, a- that's he, a hell of an aesthetic. The the runner like went into this dungeon and he had to explain the reason why I keep going out to the map and and rotating my arrow that way, it, re- rotating the facing is because it's faster to click into the map screen and rotate it manually and click back out than it is to rotate live in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> There's just a ton of stuff like that. It's a super I remember playing- weird game playing Hydlide as a kid like somebody had rented it and just I like my memory of it was just oh this is this is trash this is a garbage game mm-hmm. that like the basic interactions that you have with the environment in this game are just terrible and this is like the Nintendo game equivalent of like Candyland why would anyone play this and I don't remember ever feeling that way about a video game before that hmm. <laughs> it introduced you to the concepts of of being bad of things being terrible yeah yeah like i, I played hydlide i don't know like 15 years ago 
And I think that game might be okay if it were just tuned differently because the biggest problem I had was just like, it, it's very easy to make a tiny mistake and just immediately die. And to level up, you need to grind for a long time. Um, and so, uh, like, I, I wonder, like, just tweak some numbers in there if that wouldn't make it a tolerable game. It's mm-hmm. certainly, like, it, it's hard to imagine that it would make it good by modern standards. What was the Sega Master System RPG that we played that was well-regarded? Yes. But then- Y.S.? The first one, I think it was. I think it was the first one. The so one it's just like a like... top-down thing, but where you attack things just by facing it. Yeah, with that. Yeah, that was sort of similar to High yeah, Blood. Yeah, similar combat. I, if we found out afterwards, someone wrote in and explained that um, you are actually supposed to approach enemies like slightly to the side of them, and then you take less damage. I think. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's a mechanic in Highlight as well, but like. Uh, it's it's certainly a similar combat hmm. system. How about you, Zach? What have you been playing? Basically nothing. A um, little bit of Fallout 76, a little bit of Hearthstone, but uh, I, a lot of my discretionary time was spent playing the assignment and then uh, nothing else because I'm unprepared. Um, what about you? I played a little bit of stuff. I played... Um, I had talked about this a little bit, um, Puda, that like yeah. it's a Swedish game. Um, I played probably the first two chapters of that with Melissa. It's it has a, it's meant to be like a co-op game. There's two characters that you're controlling, uh, and she sort of fell out of love with it and was not really into it anymore. So I just decided to finish it solo, and I'm kind of glad that I did that because the later levels, especially, get very require a lot of very fine sort of cooperative um, interaction. And I think it wouldn't have been necessarily very much fun to do, even if you, if we had been like in sync um, with how to, how to cooperate. Um, And then I played some, like I got Picross S for the switch, Um, which I really wish that they're, they're like mega puzzles and their basic puzzles use different art. Yes. That bugs me so much. It's, it's such an odd choice. It seems like these are not, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like it it should not be that expensive to make Picross puzzles. Yeah. What is a mega puzzle? Uh, It's a weird rules variant on a regular Picross. So they have the regular Picross, which is just all the, which is Picross as you know it. And the mega version has some information, which is, um they they group the information between two rows into a single set of information uh which makes it much more challenging that doesn't sound harder yeah you you know it in some puzzles it's easier in some puzzles it's harder it's it's hard to know in advance it's uh yeah you know a cluster of cells will be on but you don't know what shape they're in. There yeah. are there's a handful of rules about like minimum constraints. Like it, uh, if it's if it's a number that spans both columns, it has to be in. There has to be at least one dot in both of them. They have to be contiguously connected. No diagonal connections. Um, same basically. You have to have at least one empty square between that and the next number. Right. Um, but but like if they have a a clue that is a large four across both columns, then that means like. 
any Tetris block except for yeah. the the eye could could be in there. Right, and the, the eye can't be in there because it doesn't actually take advantage of both. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, they're totally different puzzles with the same underlying base thing, but the, the reward for solving one of these things is getting to see the picture that you made, and if you've already seen it, then it right. really takes away from the it's, pleasure of that. I, I wonder if it was difficult to, like, so one of the, the premises of, of Picross is that there's only going to be one solution for the puzzle that they give you, like one possible image sure. for this. And I wonder if it was difficult to come up with uh, an image that would work, that would be unique in both uh, sets of rules. It's possible. I'm I'm guessing that a computer did all the heavy lifting. That's likely, yeah. On these, I'm not. I guess I don't know that for sure. Uh, because they, you're you're solving at least in Picross S1, you're solving every puzzle in black and white, and then they sort of colorize it for you for you at the end. You could be a lot looser about what the picture, how the picture relates to the puzzle. Oh, true. So I I don't I don't feel like it. They have a lot of legs to stand on. And I, I I introduced my mom to Picross over Christmas. She seems oh, yeah? to really got into it. Yeah, I can imagine that being a thing where even if you didn't play a bunch of video games, if you liked sort of deducing things from like logical rules, that you'd be yeah. Like it. anybody who reads like the the puzzles page in the newspaper could appreciate Picross. I think yeah, and it doesn't require any outside knowledge. Yeah, like a crossword or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing that I've been playing besides that is uh, I've been helping sort of beta test Baba is You a little bit. Oh, uh, nice. It is really good. It, there is a lot of it, uh, oh, and it gets real hard real uh, fast. Uh, are they doing a Mac version? Uh, I've been playing it on the Mac, yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah, I don't. I, I shouldn't talk about it too much, I don't think, but it's uh, it's great. I, I also played... I don't know, 45 minutes of it today. Um, you had me worried that it was going to get too hard for me like right away. And I, so I got, I don't know, 16 puzzles in without encountering anything that I had significant trouble with. It's very satisfying. Yeah. It's really like, I wondered based on seeing the initial idea. I'm like, okay, that's a very clever idea. I don't know if it's an entire game worth of idea or if it's just like a, you know, jam thing that should be a 10 minute game and they're going to try to make a six hour game out of it. But it is, it is crazy how good it is and how much is done with its rules just right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And there's a bunch of new verbs and stuff. So I worry that making it really hard is going to, is going to just ruin its sales. Yeah. I'm a little worried about that too. That's a kind of, I, I want you to provide some feedback on it. Especially. <laughs> you, you want an idiot to play no, it. I want somebody who likes puzzle games, but who is who gonna, impatient. Yeah. Who isn't going to tolerate just like hitting a bunch of brick walls. Yeah. And I, like, I feel like that will be good advice have to they, hear. Have they shipped snake bird for babies yet? <laughs> I don't. Is that a real thing that's happening? <laughs> I think they talked about a project where they, I think it was actually Snakebird for children. Okay. Uh, but I think it was like that, that, those mechanics, but with easier puzzles was the okay. idea. And I don't know if they're still working on it or if they ever shipped it or what. That's a, that's a challenging concept to take a, to take something like that, which is kind of a hard concept to just even wrap your head around. Like just the movement rules are, yeah. are non 
trivial and then make that so that it's super accessible for, for even a casual audience? I mean, I think the way that you do it is you take the 10 easiest levels and you just make levels that are aesthetically different and laid out different that are the same basic trick hmm. as those and make 10 each. Yeah. And then you've got a hundred level game that's only as hard as the first 10 levels. And the people who want it to be easier don't care if each level is teaching you something unique. Like they so don't care that's, about That's it. a question that I have. Do, do you not feel like if you like, so one of the things that's happening in Baba's U is like almost every level there's like a new like, oh, interesting kind of like moment in it. Whereas you you're saying you don't want that you want like like i'm not saying that i don't want that i mean the in the ideal case you do that but it never gets impenetrably hard i see right but like yeah that's that's a tall order <laughs> most people don't mind doing the same thing a couple or three times in a row in a video game like most and I people think that, have you know gone to grade school where they do, make you do more than one right. arithmetic yeah. problem before moving on to the and, next and, and i think that the, the way that that kind of repetition is abhorrent to your to your alan's hazelden or your john's blow like normal people don't think like that i see like they would not even necessarily recognize that it was making them do the same thing over and over I, again, I much mean, less mind. Mario were... is a hugely popular video game, and it the, it's based all you on... do is fucking jump. Right? I mean, <laughs> fuck. You collect the same coin over and over and over again. <laughs> I, I do think it's the the um the ethos of eschewing repetition to that extreme is in response to the extreme repetitiveness of video games in general sure i mean the talos principle felt like it was 60 or 70 percent repetition and maybe 30 percent new ideas from place to place which was fine it just it parts of it just felt tedious in that way yeah. I mean, I think Portal is a good model for this, right? Like, it's yeah. you do the same thing several times in a row, but it's like it has that I, dexterity, like, but I also thing think that going on, yeah, that's that's true. And I mean, that that yeah. goes a long way towards because it just feels good to move around yeah. and do yeah, the stuff. That's a big but, part of Portal. But another thing that feels good is, oh, I know how to solve this problem and then solving it. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's pretty satisfying. And like, you do it enough times that you feel still feel good about it and not enough times that it feels tedious and. A lot of the puzzles in, that I've played so far have been like, oh, this seems like it shouldn't be that hard. And then you like do the first half of it and you're like, oh, this puts me in some sort of weird configuration that, that I just have no idea how to like deal with on the back end. Mm. And so like each, a, a lot of the puzzles are like multi-stage things where you might get part of it, but then be lost on the, the next part. So, um, sort of like, like in the witness where there'll be a puzzle where the solution seems obvious initially, but when you get halfway through solving it, there's an obstruction that reveals that they right. totally anticipated that you were going to try that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did anybody here play Cosmic Express to mm -hmm. the end? No. Not to the end. I, no. It got so the final, the final level is kind of masterfully conceived where it has at least three very different solutions and Alan figured out a way to when you solve it the first time it gives you two additional constraints that force you to find one of the other solutions and then it gives you two additional constraints which for force you to find the other solution that you haven't found yet uh, and like that I thought that was just a super super smart way of approaching 
that like gives them give people something that they like more or less can can accomplish but then just keep tightening it and tightening it uh until you've like sort of squeezed all of the good the good puzzleness out of it um and i feel like that that is also happening in in a handful of levels in in this so in baba's you what have you been playing riff um uh, let's see i what did i play before the I I played a little bit of Diablo three. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I went I went to uh, Diablo three came out on Switch recently and it's got like four player couch co op. So I went over to uh, my high school buddy's place and we did some of that for an evening. And then it was still kind of bouncing around in my head for a couple of days after that. So I logged in and and coincidentally discovered that I was logging in on, like, the anniversary of the game when they do, like, the anniversary event. And so I played a little of that. What was the anniversary event? It's like if you, when you go to um, Old Tristram in in the game, there's a portal there that takes you to Old Tristram as it looked in Diablo 2 or possibly Diablo 1, I'm not sure. And it's got like a pixel filter over everything. Huh. So you you play through like 16 levels with this with this weird sort of it's actually kind of gross looking, but it's it's amusing this filter over everything and you can get some uh you can get some armors based on original Diablo armor and and fight some slightly modernized versions of the original bosses and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, did that they make the? Fun. I didn't. Did they make it, the the shader an look anything like the original Diablo? Not really. <laughs> it okay. it kind of looks like it kind of looks like playing Diablo three with a Photoshop pixelate filter over it. <laughs> That's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Um, I was thinking the other day about video games and video game endings and how of the games that I've played, one of the, one of the few that the ending just really sticks out is Diablo. The first Diablo. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was just such a, such a significant moment after all of the work that you had done. <laughs> I mean, it's really the first time you see a man plunge a magical crystal into his own forehead. Sure. There's, that's also true. Gasp. Spoilers. I, and it happens all the time now. You, you know, never forget yeah, your yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just <laughs> jaded. You got to go. You got to go down to the docks and pay somebody to jam two crystals into their forehead just to <laughs> feel, even get your heart rate rising. Uh, I think pretty much the only other thing I played was uh, uh, somebody somebody mentioned in one of the slacks I'm on like what what what's your most anticipated upcoming game and I was like oh I I can't wait for Dragon Quest Builders two to come out. And then I realized, like, I didn't even finish the second chapter of Dragon Quest Builders 1. <laughs> so I bought it on Switch and started playing that. I, I feel like I would do things pretty differently if I started from the beginning again. Like, Yeah, I, not... I have done a little bit different. Like, I, it, the first time I played through it, I tried to have all my, uh, all my warp platforms in like a basement that I dug. Right. But, but the camera really hates basements. So this time I didn't bother trying that. Yeah. I, I think I would probably build every floor, like a brick or two higher than I had otherwise done. 
because the camera gets really angry if it's only like two two blocks tall or whatever. Mm. Well, plus you just also don't want dudes jumping up on the furniture and then walking around the tops of the walls. <laughs> That's gross. Also true. Or if people walk, like NPCs walk onto a chair and then get their head stuck in the ceiling, <laughs> stuff like kind of that. Yeah. Why do they stand on chairs? NPCs. It's no understanding them. When does Dragon Quest Builders Two come out, Riff? Sometime this year. Uh, it hasn't been announced. The I think the the Japanese version has either been announced or is already out. But the Western wow. the Western release has been has been identified that it is going to happen, but they haven't said when except this year. <laughs> well, shall we talk about the assignment? Fortune 499 by A.P. Thompson. Fortune 356. Yeah. Sorry, I messed up the number of uh, last uh, week's show. I just had 499 on the brain. I didn't realize that uh, it was a joke about Fortune 500 companies. So yeah, you're like... The a... joke is that you're slightly more... Uh exclusive than the fortune 500 companies mm -hmm. or you're just you're just barely in the fortune 500 okay yeah so you're a corporate witch and mm -hmm. you play rock paper scissors against things and this uh this really reminded me of beglitched in a lot of ways mm -hmm. because it seems like in the same way that beglitched kind of seems like it was just going to be a match three game with some progression it ended up being kind of a tedious extremely difficult puzzle game uh -huh. um doesn't have the same artist it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Um, and yeah, I like I was so charmed by this game, and I really enjoyed the time that I spent with it, but I got to a thing where I was like, okay, I see what I have to do to beat this level. I don't want to. Uh, maybe I'll do it later. And then I shut the game off, and it, every time it occurred to me to go back and play it, I was like, mm, no, I still don't want to. I still don't want to do the work to solve that problem. Um, I got to a thing where you had to like there was a monster with like three pieces that you had to get them all down to one hit point and leave the fight and then turn on the computer to damage them all at once to get past him. So they all died at the same time. And I just, I don't know. I didn't know you could leave fights in this game. You learn to eventually. eventually you get, you get a card that lets you do it or a spell. Like there was a, I, I remember running, get, running into this room full of like a bunch of stuff you could use to manipulate your deck of cards. Yeah. And, it seemed like half of it was stuff that would only be useful in combat. It's or if you knew what was going to happen in, in combat. Well, well, you do. Right. Yeah. Well, like one of the like one thing that you have to use is the things that let you reorder your deck. Right. Before you go into combat. Yeah. It also resets your deck for every level, which Yeah. Is nice. Um They don't explain that. They don't, yeah. I thought there was something wrong the first time when I started, like, day two or whatever, and it was back to the... I was like, what the fuck? Why is my deck bad again? Because it gives you a bunch of upgrades. I'm like, ah, oh, oh, sick, huh. upgrades. bunch of I upgrades didn't even and... notice that it removed those upgrades. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it just starts you with... The, the way the game works, for anybody who has not played it or looked at it, is you, all of the battles... The, in their basic sense, the battles are just you playing rock, paper, scissors against an opponent, and if you do the thing that beats their thing, then only you do damage to them, and vice versa. If you match, you both do damage to each other. And you draw cards from a deck that are, like, predicting the future, and so the cards make it more likely that the opponent will play a certain thing, and it makes it more likely that your choice will meaningfully... 
yeah, I, counteract it. I never had a sense of whether it was like each value on your card was percentage. I think it, I think maybe it is. I think it's like it's times ten. So it's like I think the like rock plus two is probably plus twenty percent chance of drawing a rock or whatever. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah, because uh, it goes up to about six or seven, and then just becomes an ace, which forces yeah. it forces the card forces that draw. Yeah, I guess that would make sense, right? Because the only the seven would be a force, and if and I've never seen one higher than six. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you earn less money for fights the more of your cards you use, which is a little bit of a weird, yeah, perverse incentive. Well, because like you're trying to be more efficient, right? You there's two things can happen. You can earn money by the probability being that oh they're probably going to draw scissors or play scissors so you play rock but then it turns out oh no they played paper so if you get the exact wrong outcome you actually get some extra money as sort of like a bonus mm. um but it's way more it's way easier to just fight monsters and then get the the like low card bonus there are a handful of monsters that they are predisposed to use a certain attack anyway cuz they do a bunch more damage with that attack and so you can basically just not draw against them at all, and you'll have a very high chance of them yeah. playing. It's weird though attack. that you, you're earning this money that you use to like upgrade your stats and stuff, but they don't seem to want you to be able to do that. Like they, you get less of it if you're engaging with the systems of the game, and there's you're never given any opportunity to grind. That's not entirely true. There are there are like two or three places where you can do a very tedious grind like a monster that's being summoned that is one of those like usually picks paper or whatever monsters so you can just go back and fight it over and over and over again and get the like thirty dollars at a time for every fight that you do with it Mm. Um, but it 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 seems like it's going to be an rpg and i was excited by it when i thought that it was an rpg but it just turns out to kind of not be like your stats really don't matter very much and the the battles start they're just all extremely difficult puzzle fights mm. yeah. um which i i just the bosses are for sure yeah yeah i mean i guess there's some fodder enemies on a lot of the levels but like that's really not what the game wants to be about and it's just i don't know like i kind of want to just play the version of this that is a tedious rpg yeah because i was enjoying it like, just go back and start over. And just play the early parts again? Yeah. The parts that I was enjoying? Yeah, okay. Um, it's it's only like a three-ish hour game. It doesn't... I, I feel like it It doesn't overstay its welcome in that regard. How far did you get into it, Jim? 45 minutes. What about you, Riff? I got to the beginning of the day after you learn how to cheat at the bar. Okay. The how many levels are there after that Hydra thing? One or two. Oh. It's you're very close to the end. Oh geez. Okay. Yeah. Well then I especially want it to be like a grindy RPG, because then it would have lasted longer. I just liked being in the world and I liked engaging with the systems and I found it so, so charming right out of the gate that then when I was like, ah oh, man, this just did exactly the same thing to me that Beglitched did. Hmm. This is I think maybe I'm just not really This is gonna be like Zach Barth, like he's gonna make games that I almost love, 
but then they're just too hard because of his belief in what a game should be hmm. and how it does not line up with mine. I mean, kind of like the don't, you know, like the Alan Hinsland principle of like, okay, you clearly have like a dogma about this thing and the dogma is explicitly alienating to me because I both want, I want video games to both be intellectually stimulating, but also be a mindless waste of time. Hmm. Simultaneously? Yeah. Yes, honestly. And that's like, like I want, it's like the cheapest way of doing that like flow state pacing thing, right? Like give you the satisfaction of mastering a thing. And it's better if the satisfaction of mastering that thing is the satisfaction of mastering something that is actually very clever and difficult, but then just, I don't know, let me fucking shoot some dudes with it for a while. Right. <laughs> Afterwards, you know? That was, I mean, I feel like that was the problem that I was having with Owlboy, right? Would that you would get a new upgrade or whatever, and then they let you have it for a little while, and then just immediately take it away to, to sort of vary things up. And I was like, Jesus Christ, let me let me play the game. And I feel like that's less that happens less often in a platformer. So it was way more jarring for me to to sort of gain and lose abilities that sort of rapidly. Uh, I wish there were cheat codes. Like I wish that mm. I wish that I could just like skip this fight because I just don't want to do it. And I don't know. It just seems tedious and it is like easy to make a mistake that then makes it so you have to restart the whole thing, which that yeah, is a bummer. That is like, a big bummer. And and that's Yeah. Like there's so much of it is relying on like memorizing the first like three or four cards of your deck. Right. And I started taking notes. Yeah. I'll just screw that up and there's a can be... there's a handful of fights where you you absolutely have to construct the beginning of your deck and ask me in a very specific order and it's very easy to mess that up so i was expecting this to be i think what you were zach just this would be a series of like a uh, an rpg with like looser combat encounters where like the randomness of the deck was part of the experience was like like we're basically replacing die rolls um and I'm really surprised that that's like that so much of what you actually do in the game is subverting the randomness. Yeah. Like do, explicitly controlling it. I mean, and that's that fits the theme of it, right? That's like true. your character is someone who can see the future. Yeah. And it's it's inexact, but you are. I don't know. Like, I don't think that that's fundamentally like in violation of what it means for a thing to be an RPG, you know? No, you're right. It's. Yeah. Like I want the remix of big glitch that just lets me play that puzzle game. Sure. You know, as opposed to it being a sequence of very, very carefully constructed, extremely difficult levels. Do you, so like twinfold, for example, do you you feel like it just gets too hard eventually like they they've they the like level of difficulty because that is just playing the game there's no i'm just trying to find out like what the like where the breaking point is 
Just like, well, I think Twinfold is sort of the exact opposite of this, right? Like the scenarios in Twinfold are not constructed to be sure. unique and extremely difficult the way that they are in. But the difficulty keeps ramping up, right? Like, yeah, but in a way that feels fair. And I mean, it's not, it's not, it doesn't feel like the designer putting a roadblock in front of me because the designer made some systems that put a roadblock in front of me, right? It's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's interesting. I, like is it, it is it easier or is it more acceptable for a for a game to have systems that become too difficult rather than designed encounters that are too difficult well i mean i think the ideal case for me if i'm one if i want to have fun playing a game is like the systems get more difficult but then i can go level up my dude i see to there are more systems to, to counteract yeah that. to counteract the the systems getting more difficult I mean, and so this is part of your desire to always have like some place to arbitrarily fight stuff in like west of loathing or whatever. yeah yeah i mean that's kind of why i want like i wanted to be able to like because you know speedrunners don't ever do that and they can beat the game in a minute sure. and a half or whatever right so it's it's not like yeah i think this is one of the strengths of um of the jrpg is that you can make it as hard as you want it to be or l l you can't really make it harder but you can make it less hard by playing more yeah. right i mean you can make it harder by saying i'm not going to wear a hat or i'm no, not going to yeah, use a weapon or whatever true. right yep. there's all kinds of things you can yeah like the more systems there are to counteract the the sort of non-designed difficulty, the more you can ignore as well as, as engage with. Right. Yeah. I think that's why I liked Sundered so much that I talked about last week mm -hmm. uh, was because the game gets much harder, but they, they give you so many more tools to like, to deal with it. And especially if you spend even a little bit of time sort of grinding out currency or whatever, you, you outpace the, the difficulty in sort of a nice, feeling curve i feel like they really got that right um what's our next assignment our next assignment is pool panic which is like a comedy billiards game from adult swim you play like an asshole pool ball just being a dick to other pool balls that's that's the video game it's gonna be great Sounds i think there's good. like a I think there's a ton of little different kinds of, uh, like, I don't know yeah, if there are many like games or all just different encounters. scenarios, yeah, yeah. With different rules and so on. Yep. Cool. Cool panic. Cool canic. Guys, you know who this episode of Video Games Hot Dog was made possible by? Who? Our generous Patreon backers, such as Mike and Mechanics. Hmm. I didn't know they all were backing. Nike and Mechanics. Hank Man Mannix X. Thank you, Thanix. Thanks. Jank Thanos. <laughs> uh, Ted Jenkins. Jank Danson. Fancy Danson. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 357 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And if you do, and if you don't, Jazz Hansen.
Cockabooboobalaya. <laughs> Have a great week, everybody. Good night. I'm going to have to find some gun sounds. We have some gun sounds for West Floating. Yes. Okay. I'm not going to have to go very far to find some gun sounds, guys.